I'm Jamie. And I'm Nikisha, and this is Talking Horror with Jamie. And Nikisha. Where we share our love for spooky spook things and talk horror through the lens of human behavior. Welcome, everyone. Welcome. Oh, no, my head's kissing. (gasps) Jamie, what's wrong with you? What's going on? She obviously, uh, (laughs) she has lesions, I guess. Oh, it's fine. It's those damn lesions. Those damn lesions. Well, I guess, Brian, you got it. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> they, make they make the, the bed, bed shake, the lesions. Oh, yes, of course. Exactly. <laughs> well, it seems like you probably need to call a priest, uh, producer Brian, so that the power of Christ can compel Jamie, because we are talking about the 1973 supernatural horror film, The Exorcist. It's the power. Holy water. Oh. Oh. It's the power of Christ that compels you. The power of Christ compels you. That the power of Christ compels you. 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 He brought you low by his bloodstained cross. Do not despise my command because you know me to be a sinner. Spooky things. Just to be clear, I'm the wrong person to call a priest. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> I'm sure we'll get all into the nitty-gritty of that. <laughs> Super excited to hear everybody's thoughts on this particular movie. So The Exorcist is directed by William Friedkin from a screenplay by William Peter Blatty based on his 1971 novel of the same name. And it stars Ellen Burstyn, Max von Sydow, Jason Miller, and Linda Blair. So obviously heavy spoilers for The Exorcist if you have not seen it. I will also like to throw out there that watching The Exorcist on a streaming service is different from if you used to watch it on TV like me because <laughs> there was a lot of stuff that they took out when they aired oh, the TV you, version. How do you watch this on TV? <laughs> Exactly. We'll talk about it when we get into it fully, but I just want to put that out there that if you ever just watched it on TV, it's not the same. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't even think about that. That's so, that's such a good point. That's wild. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) So Jamie, give us all those trigger warnings because there's a lot. Yeah. I mean, this is like the OG like possession film. So if you do not like possession thematically, This Mm -hmm. is definitely probably not it for you. Um, That being said, 
there is also a lot of uh, foul language, if you will, a lot of cursing. Again, I'm thinking, how do you show this on TV? Because, you know, mm-hmm. when Reagan gets possessed, she's saying a lot of a lot of nasty things to a lot of people. Um, For sure. And, and gesturing a lot of nasty things. Um, there's, uh, like... I don't even know what to say. She is using a crucifix uh, aggressively towards Mm -hmm. her body parts. Um, There is references to Ouija board, uh, to the devil, projectile vomiting, uh, priests, um, demons. uh, Yeah, it's... it's a doozy. If you don't, if you're afraid of stairs, this is not the movie for oh. you. Oh, <laughs> also that stairs mm-hmm. falling down them, mm-hmm. breaking your head. Mm-hmm. Um, there is also, I mean, I think it's worth noting, like there's references to, um, like the elderly um, and yes. and death, and like you know, I feel like I feel like that's like pretty. That can be pretty triggering. Too. Sure, um, for sure. Especially in that mental hospital with all of the... Oh, my God. Oh, we have to talk about that. We have to talk about that. Oh, God. Yeah, 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 yeah. For sure. Put put that in your notes, Jamie, so we can discuss. Yeah. I'll make a note. Hospital. (sighs) Oof. Yeah. Great. (laughs) Well, Producer Brian, can you give us some words before we start this thing? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm so happy that it's October. October makes me so happy. Um, We're so happy to be doing this movie. We've been saving this one for this October. I'm fascinated to hear what you all think. But in the meantime, if you want to follow us on social media and get our opinion on lots of other things, um, check us out uh, at Talk Horror Pod wherever you get um, your social media feeds. Um, TikTok, Instagram, uh, we are on Twitter, X, whatever we're calling it. I know that joke is old by now, so I'm just going to call it Twitter. Um, <laughs> we're uh, Twitter. Sure. Also, find us on YouTube. Hi, YouTube. Hi. Um, yeah, search for Talking Horror. Uh, and also, everything is in the description of this episode. So, uh, yeah, happy for spooky season, everyone. Sure. Um, yeah, that's all. Happy, happy spooky season. Um, happy I spooky. also want to just uh, shout out... A former student of mine, uh, Lamonte, because he has been truly listening to our podcast. He oh, yeah? said that he was not a horror movie person, but he's getting into horror, like listening to our podcasts. Aww. So I just wanted to shout him out uh, for that because now we we've brought him into the fold. We brought another one into <laughs> the fold as far as <laughs> <Yeah>. horror movies. <laughs> I'll, I'll shout out a former a former colleague of mine, Cat, who's also been DMing me on Instagram about different episodes. And yes. uh, I guess I'm really consistent because the wow, 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 air horns that I do at the beginning <laughs> is something I've been doing for a long time. And I used to do that at work. So uh. <gasps> literally, I can just imagine like walking into the office and Jamie's there. And she's like, bow, 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 cats here. No, I would do it like in like one on one meetings. It's like, all right, time for our meeting. Bow, 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 bow. Listen, Jamie's the so. coworker that you want. <laughs> supportive. We're supportive over here. <laughs> Awesome. Fantastic. Wait, actually, I I have a question for both of you. Um, when we first started this podcast, you know, uh, you had mentioned your favorite movies, The Shining, Rosemary's Baby, mm-hmm. um, Scream, Halloween, like a lot of those. Am I missing anything big? Oh, no, Evil Dead 2. Um, oh, The Conjuring's and The stuff Conjuring, that. right, is yours. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've done like... 
what episode is this? This is episode... Over 100. Uh, <laughs> yeah. This is... What are we doing? The Exorcist. This is episode 114. Like, oh, damn. Have you... have Has your favorite horror movie changed or favorite genre changed? Or have your mm. favorite horror movies only been strengthened by doing this podcast um, and or your genres? And I ask that while you think because this movie is considered one of the great horror movies, one of the scariest horror movies of all time. And I'll, I'll just kind of spoil what I thought. Like, this movie is spectacular. It's excellently made. It, mm-hmm. is, it is truly amazing. It's got those, like, deep... 70s vibes that I love. It also um, reflects the culture at the time. It's very social commentary on like like how religion was at the time, and we'll talk about that. However, this was I'm, I might give this a zero on the scare factor. Like this movie was not mm. scary to me at all, and maybe it's because I just like religious horror movies don't scare me because I don't I don't buy into that or believe that as much as others but like this doesn't scare me and so like my feelings of this movie are different than they were maybe you know 114 episodes ago because we've seen so much mm. that I've, I've learned to really love and enjoy for instance His House is a movie I would have mm. never watched without this podcast and now it's one of my top tens and it says so much about like the immigrant experience and like and 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 all and above and beyond and it's also scary but so that's my I, I bought you some time to think but um <laughs> that was i'm just curious as to like if that's changed mm. your thoughts or opinions on genres or your favorites mm. yeah i think that your first couple of like questions it's it's kind of the answer is all the above i feel that i've been strengthened uh in my love of horror for this uh because of this podcast I think that um, it's only solidified my favorite subgenres of horror, which is still oh, sure. slasher. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because of a movie that I never would have watched because of this podcast, and I will always say this again for the end of time, is Behind the Mask, uh, the mm. Leslie Vernon. Leslie Vernon, yeah. Uh, because watching that movie and that being a slasher, and it was just like, oh, this is fantastic. And the horror genre is just so genius. It's also uh, made me realize how vast uh, of a spectrum uh, that horror is. Mm. And I think it's more so because of the things that are have recently come out and what we talk about like is elevated horror and all the stuff yeah. like that. So I think that um, the subgenres are increasing and that's been really nice to kind of follow along with uh, mm. as opposed uh, to it just being like either just a, a um, supernatural or just a slasher. You know, there's like so many other different mm-hmm. like subgenres of it now. Um, so yeah, I think it's a little bit of all of the above for me like as mm. far as increase in love and such about yeah and and i just to before before jamie Mm -hmm. says anything i just wanted to jump off of what you said is i really this is for both of you really i did not grow i've said this before i did not grow up watching slashers slashers is not the genre i like move towards i think they're fine i've been really and i really enjoyed watching all the friday the 13th movies Mm -hmm. and like stuff (laughs) like that but i still would except for scream because not because of the it's a Mm. slasher movie but because of the nostalgia i hold for it um yes um, like that fills in, but I'm so happy that the two of you with Jamie first in terms of like what during the lockdown, like we watched the original slasher movies, which I had never seen. And that kind of at least got me to that. And then Nikisha, you're just like pure unadulterated love for the slasher genre definitely has opened up my sensibility to 
the slasher genre in general, even though like the super, even though one of my favorite movies, Psycho, is technically a slasher movie. But like, (laughs) I I tend to lean more towards like the psychological thrillers and the supernatural ghost movies and stuff like that. And obviously the animal attack movies. Um, So I just, this is a thank you to both of you, obviously, uh, for that. But uh, Jamie, what are your thoughts on this? I'm fascinated. Yeah. I mean, I think we were like talking about it too while we were watching it. And I feel like so much of what influences my list is also based on like nostalgia and the connection that I have to films kind of Mm -hmm. similarly to what I think we're all talking about. Um, I still think that this is like an excellent movie and rewatching it and we'll get into it with like likes and gripes, but I, I don't think, I think I've only actually seen this movie once. So I feel like I have very little connection to it, but I also really love possession horror as a subgenre. So mm-hmm. like kind of seeing what really sparked a lot of other movies that I love and also scare me deeply. Um, it's just, it's really interesting. So I don't know. It, it hasn't like bumped something like evil dead too. Um, but yeah. <laughs> I, I do feel like it's really helpful in like deepening my understanding of like the lore of possession subgenre and and like makes me appreciate those movies even more than I already do if that makes sense. Sure. Yeah. Well, overall, you would say that you you still stick to your guns with like your favorites are still your favorites, not only because they're great but nostalgia wise. Yeah, I think so. I think that like it's it's still I still think it's an excellent movie, but like I don't know. I like what I like. I'm so, <laughs> I'm, yeah, I feel yeah, so yeah. like old fashioned in terms of being very set in my ways. I do it. I do it. It's even worse with music where like, I don't listen to anything. I barely listen to new music. I only mm. listen to like things that came out pre 2015 and like just have such a hard time getting myself to open up to something new because I like the things that I like and it makes me feel happy and good. And I don't want sure. to like, you know, go beyond that. But it, I mean, then there's no growth. So it's like, it yeah. is important to, to challenge ourselves and like, and, and lean into these other things. But like, mm-hmm. I think it's hard to shake up my, my tried and true. Yeah. That's her. Yeah. Listen, you don't have to explain yourself. You like what you like. And that's the <laughs> well, end I was of asked the a sentence. question. So I did have to explain myself. <laughs> <Fair>. but, <laughs> true. True. <laughs> but thank you, Nikisha, for supporting my decision. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Well, uh, speaking just on movies in general, have y'all watched anything this week before we get into? I haven't. I was going to say I watched like, you know, um, I was going to say I watched Pan's Labyrinth, but like, you know, that because we did that episode. (laughs) Yes. Um, (laughs) But um, yeah, no, I I don't. What about what about you, Nikisha? Did you watch anything? No, I I haven't. but because we're in spooky season, I definitely, I mean, because now all of the streaming services are throwing all of the movies in there's my face so much. now, mm-hmm. it's just like, oh my God, there's so many things on my watch, uh, watch list that I need to go yeah, through. So. The coming soon list also, like, like things we have to wait for this month. And like, mm-hmm. it's just like, it mm-hmm. keeps growing. And like, we have to make a decision of like, what we have time to watch and what interests us. And like, yeah, like the end of September stuff was really like really coming in hard yeah. into yeah. spooky season. So it's like, Oh God. And like 
being October, there's just so much. And, and you get used again, talking about like, I'm so old fashioned and stuck Mm -hmm. in my ways. Like you want to watch the things that you love watching during this time of year. And like, you, you know, right. it's like, yes. oh, I have to make time now for these new things, but I really want to watch Trick or Treat for the 20,000th time. <laughs> literally, yeah. I, I just want to watch that. Trick it's or Treat important. over and over again. Over and over again. Yes, I agree. <laughs> well, also, um, uh, I have to shout out uh, our uh, social media Hamilton person, uh, Gabby, because she is, we're in Chicago right now. We're here until the new year and she's from Chicago. And so she sent me all of these spooky things. One that's included is movie theaters that are showing just old uh, mm. movies. And then also mm. I think uh, A24 is re-releasing a whole bunch of stuff yeah. in yep. theaters. So like mm-hmm. I want to go see the Midsummer Director's Cut because mm-hmm. that's 20 mm-hmm. extra minutes I know. Stuff. It's supposed mm-hmm. to be amazing. Ugh. I haven't seen it either. That's on my list. Yeah. yeah. So all of it is on my list. I, I need to, but there's also an AMC theater inside of my apartment building. What? What? It oh my is, god! It's, a, it's an entire mall and an apartment complex, and so I literally can just go down to the fourth floor, and I am at the AMC. Oh my so. god! Stop. I would never see Brian ever. Never. Again. You know ever. When's the first ever. showing? That's important to me. Like, is there are there nine a.m. showings? Because I'd be in that seat. Like, oh truly, I have to look oh and check and god. see. But uh, I mean, of course, I can't <laughs> see anything at night. But I mean, I guess I could. Like, if I wanted to, a midnight showing because I can just literally go oh up to my, my floor and go to bed. <laughs> like, Nikisha, stop. The best thing. stop. Nikki, after when we finish recording, Brian's you need literally going to gonna Google like, 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 yeah, like apartment buildings that have movie theaters in them. Oh my I would, god! I would never. Ever see him? No. I didn't. I didn't know that that was a thing, and now this is oh, that. God. Like you know, they're like central air, like the things you need in a house. I'm like, no, I need. Right. I need an a AMC theater. in the basement <laughs> with your stubs. Oh, you oh need my god, stubs. Yeah, yes, we we'll all AMC. just move to Chicago, guys. Like yeah. and just make it happen. I'm an A-lister. I'm an AMC yeah. A-lister. A-lister. Stubs. <laughs> I deserve an apartment complex with an AMC. <laughs> Listen, you come you come oh. there for the magic. Isn't that what Nicole Kidman said? We're here for so the magic. So dangerous. Oh, man. Yes. Fantastic. Okay, well, let's get Heart into plate, exorcism. Heartbreak feels good in a place like that, Nikisha. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Always. Uh, all right, let's get into it, because I know we have a lot to talk about with The Exorcist, um, but we need a two-minute plot summary. So, yes. producer Brian, if you can do that for us, and then we'll get into our segments. What's the plot? <laughs> Sure. Yes. Producer Brian, I'm putting two minutes on the clock for you. Two, two minutes, yes. just to clarify, only two, uh, for you to give us a plot summary of The Exorcist. Are you ready? I am. Amazing. All right. Ready, set, go. So the first 20 minutes of this movie are the, uh, just we're in the northern Iraq, just like doing the, you know, excavating some spooky stuff uh, with uh, with Father Marin, who's half archaeologist, half um, priest. And, and then it stops. And then we're in, then we're in Georgetown um, and uh, we meet Chris, um, <clears throat> who is a, she is a um, movie star who is filming a movie in um, Washington, D.C., and she's there renting a house with her daughter. Long story short, her, her daughter gets possessed. 
um, by uh, Pazuzu. Um, and th- she goes through tons and tons of doctors who say that there's lesions on her brain. Um, but Chris is also having seen this. Her daughter's name is Reagan. Um, Chris, having seen the bed shake and all of this stuff happen, is like, that. I, this can't be. I saw it shake. And they're like, no, she's having seizures. The bed is shaking. Like, all of that. Um, the director of the movie comes over to watch... Uh, the uh, the girl while the assistant kind of goes out to get um you know medicine and stuff like that and he's found dead outside of the stairs outside of her uh, Reagan's window then cops get involved to figure that out long story short they find they finally get to a um they bring in the psychologist priest um, who teams with Dr. M- for, with Marin from the beginning to do a full exorcism. The devil actually starts to talk to the uh, younger father who is the, um, the, I'll call him the therapist, uh, the therapist priest. Um, he feels guilty. He has, he's being torn and feels completely disconnected from his religion. Um, he feels like he disappointed his mother who kind of died without him. Anyway, the Reagan, the kills Marin, Marin ends up, uh, go, um, no, the other priest ends up getting the devil inside of him and jumping out the window, killing him and everybody lives happily ever after. And that's the plot. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Good job. Also, also involved in that are like pretty, like, like pretty crazy things, like stabbing yourself and and pleasuring yourself with a, yeah. uh, with, a with a cross and and stuff Oof. like that. Slapping your mom, um, you know, uh. fl- like flotation, levitation, all that stuff. All, all the above. Peeing on the rug. Flotation devices. Yeah, flotation, flotation devices. devices. You know those float. You know that that salt water. You know. Uh, you know, meditation chamber or whatever it is. Oh, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Absolutely. Those are nice, actually. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm just saying. Anyway. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, let's get into our first segment, which is likes and gripes. And now are likes and gripes. And I will start only because, Brian, you said, yeah, peeing on rugs. And every time... <laughs> I see Please that tell scene. me it's the same thing that I think of. Scary Movie. Yes! Exactly. It's a sequel, right? The, the start of Scary Movie 2, I think? I think so, yeah. One of the, it's definitely and not the first one. And she just pees for like the longest amount of, amount of time. Yeah. Yes. It, it's very upsetting. I don't like it when people pee themselves in movies. Um, mm. And like it's obviously fake and parodying this. And I definitely saw Scary Movie 2 before I saw The Exorcist, which is embarrassing. Yes. But uh, it's it's so gross. <laughs> it's so gross. But that's every every time it came on and I put mm-hmm. in my notes, Scary Movie. <laughs> um, but going back to what I said before about watching it on TV. So uh, the TV channel AMC does their like fright fest, you know, for yeah. uh, mm-hmm. you know every year, and so all it is the entire month is just them playing horror movies. So uh, the ones that they play a lot are The Omen and The Exorcist. Like hmm. any time of day, that movie has been played like two or three times, you know. So my first introduction to The Exorcist was watching the bits and pieces that um, the AMC showed. So. I recently, within the past, maybe it was last year, I was uh, watching it with a friend, The Exorcist, for the first time on a streaming service, the whole thing, and I was like, hold the fuck up. Excuse Mm. me? What? (laughs) 
Sure. What is this? And so it was kind of just like, <laughs> oh, this is um, this is a lot, and this very heavy. And to speak on Brian talking about um, possession, religious movies. So those are the movies that I always avoided, and mm. I think that's why I latched onto the slashers because it's so absurdist and you know not believable that it's just funny to me and entertaining to me. So I didn't. Sorry, what were you going to say, did, Brian? Did you avoid them? Because you, so my question for you is, why did you avoid them? Did you avoid them because you knew that they would be scarier to you because you grew up in a very religious household? Or did you avoid them because they, um, they had like anti-religious imagery and stuff like that or both? No, the, the, the former. Mm. Definitely, I thought that it would scare me more because of my belief system. And it's like, I don't want to watch people get possessed by the devil. The church mm-hmm. tells us about the devil all the time. Yeah, <laughs> sure, sure, sure. I don't want to see wanna, a movie. I don't want to know anything about them. I don't want to know anything about it. They already, you know, <laughs> talk about hell and all this stuff like that. So it's kind of mm-hmm. like, why in my free time would I want to mm-hmm. watch, you know, a demon possessing somebody? You know what I'm saying? Sure. So that was my kind of uh, reluctance to watching those kinds of movies until uh, my first tour in 2018 uh, shout out to my friend Jamal James who was like you have to watch The Conjuring though and mm-hmm. I was like no it's like possession oh I can't do it mm-hmm. and so he sat with me and we watched it and I was like this is the greatest thing ever I'm obsessed now <laughs> <laughs> so all that to say re-watching The Exorcist it still gives me the creepy creeps and uh, that will be reflected mm-hmm in my uh, four S's because even mm-hmm. though I'm not as religious as I was before, it's still something that is a part of me that like yeah. freaks me out and makes me uncomfortable. So all that to say, I love this movie. It still makes me uncomfortable on top of... Uh, so this is my second time fully watching it all the way through. But of mm-hmm. course, I remember everything about it because it was so unsettling the, and jarring sure. the first time I watched the whole thing and saw everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so the things that I liked about it, I obviously liked this movie in general. Uh, the creepy music with the title card at the beginning just sets up the tone so well. Mm-hmm. Uh, a gripe that I do have is the whole 20 minutes of following Father Mirren because it mm. just seems a little bit slow with like what we need to get into. But once we get into everything, it's like no holes bar, balls to the wall, you know. And so mm-hmm. like it kind of makes up for how slow it can be at the beginning. Um, another gripe I have is that, and I I thought that this was only the first time I watched it all the way through, but it happened again this time with a different mm. uh, TV system. I the sound design is muffled in a lot of places, and I don't know if you guys felt that way too. But especially at the it, um, the first couple of scenes in the house with Reagan and her mom, and they're just doing other things, and I could just hear like clacking of dishes or like other sounds over their voices, and so it was really hard mm. to pick up like what they were mm. saying. And I had the closed captions on, mm-hmm. and even the closed captions don't pick up everything that they're actually saying, mm-hmm. and so that was like a little kind of disheartening because I, I want to know everything, but. Um, I don't know why it was the case, but there's throughout the whole movie, there was a lot of times where there were things that the closed captions didn't actually pick up that were being said. Um, so that was just a little uh, bothersome to me that I just couldn't mm-hmm. like hear everything. Mm-hmm. I love the fact, watching it the second time, it made me realize, but that um, the psychiatrist father was talking to his mom and said, 
your your leg is not well, stay off stairs, and then he dies like via going down the stairs. Oh, I just never yeah, put like I two even, and two together. That's a real <clears> good one. Also, <throat> just because I, I looked it up because I can remember. Uh, first of all, his name is Karas, but his Karas. name is Damien Karas. I think it's very funny that yes. his name was Damien. I thought of the Damien. whole time, and then and then you brought up the two that you would watch or the or the, the omen, omen and the omen. Uh, and this one where the kid's name is. <clears> I thought that was. That was just like kind of like an in joke, I guess. You yeah, know, like it. Yeah, I, I thought the same thing every time they said uh, Damien. I was like, oh, I'm thinking of like the Omen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> but he's a priest. Um, yes, I he's also all grown up. <laughs> he's all listen. He's 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 grown up, dying for his people. It's all good. It's fine. Um, I also didn't know the first time I watched this all the way through that the demon was summoned by a Ouija board. And it's like, oh, that absolutely makes sense. I don't know why I thought it just like came out of nowhere, but it's like, oh, y'all were being dumb. So that's why this happened to you. It's totally fine. It's cool. Awkward. Cool. Um, there was one scene, and this is a gripe, that I just thought was kind of out of place. And you can tell me if you thought differently. But f- from when... Um, Father Karras was in the hospital with his mom. Uh, it, then it cuts to the scene where he's in a boxing gym, and then it cuts to Reagan and the mom. And I was like, why would we need that boxing scene? That would seem just like a little bit out of place so to me. Those yes. are in my likes. Oh, I, okay. I, I, I actually wrote in my likes um, I, that I like the sound design. <laughs> um, and, but all these things feel very 70s to me, and I like that. Mm, like okay. some of the things, and, and I'll just, uh, I like all of the 70s aesthetics of the filmmaking here. The mm-hmm. overly dramatic avant-garde score, um, the zoom outs, the like, the, like that those, those large zoom outs where like he's walking through the rubble and it's just like zooming out from him. Yes. Um, the casual overlapping dialogue where like the background noise is a little bit louder. It kind of makes it very unsettling. Um, um, the, uh, you know, it, the opening 20 minutes has no dialogue essentially. And like, right. you don't know, is he did, is he sick? Is he not sick? But he's, you know, like, like in terms of like, like why he's like sweating and like fainting and stuff like that. Um, I thought I like that. Um, but specifically what you just said, Nikisha, um, is I really, really, really like all of those shortcuts. Um, the quick mm. scenes in the doctor's office getting the shot. That was super quick. The punching bag. That was super quick. To me, this movie does a lot of talking and doesn't show a lot of things. Um, for instance, there's the moment where she says, oh, my bed was shaking before we actually see it shaking. Reagan's experiencing all of these things off camera before we mm-hmm. actually see it because we are from the point of view of her mother. So if the mother's not in the room, we don't see it essentially, which I like mm-hmm. really appreciated. Um, so to me, watching the father, the punching bag in that quick moment, it's a quick moment of watching the do- the. The physicalization of his internal struggle and of how how much anger and frustration and guilt is in him by what for that one second of him like punching the bag, sweating, being really, really aggressive is just a way to look inside of him without spending a full scene of doing it. And the aesthetic of it happening quickly is kind of also to shock you and just like, like the image is supposed to last with you. And that's what it did for me. So I love Mm. all those little like second vignettes. I think they strengthen the character, which is why I think that the, the actual, um, 
exorcism scene between Marin um, and Karras and and Reagan and Paza, Paza, all of that stuff is more impactful for me because I feel like I have a better sense of these characters because of those literal seconds moments. Mm. Mm. That's fair. I, I I can see I can see where you're coming from. And it's not that I would want a longer explanation. I just mm-hmm. wouldn't. I, I don't think I need to just in yeah. general. Mm-hmm. <laughs> totally, totally, totally. Um, but I will agree with you in my likes is the slow close-ups and the zoom outs, mm-hmm. especially when uh, Karas and the mom are talking at the table. Uh, yeah. I thought that was a very like intense moment. <laughs> and speaking on 70s vibes, I'll speak on the makeup too, which I enjoyed that on um, Reagan because it, it's definitely a 70s aesthetic uh, uh, makeup, her possession makeup. You know, it doesn't... For those Absolutely. of you on YouTube, Pop I have Funko. the Reagan Funko Pop. <laughs> yes. Amazing. With That's full, great. Uh, with full vomit on her nightie, as yes. well as the ties to her wrists to keep her to the bed. <laughs> oh, nice. That's that's a cute one. I have to find that one. <laughs> but no, I, I think that that didn't take me out of it. I mm-hmm. mean, we have movies that have such great, you know, you know, everything has just been elevated throughout the years, right? But I think that it being in the 70s, the the vibe that it gave, even like the the projectile vomit and everything, like so really, it was just so, it was so good for the time. It was <laughs> mm-hmm. amazing. Also, also, I want to talk about makeup for one second because you brought mm-hmm. it up. Yes. So, Max von Sydow, the mm-hmm. actor who played Marin, you would know him from all of his roles now as playing an older person. Like, if you saw The Force Awakens, he's the old guy at the very beginning that mm. um, Oscar Isaac has to meet, and then Kylo Ren comes down. Like, he's, like, a well-known Swedish actor, and he's, he's he, he was in Ingmar Bergman's movie The Seventh Seal, the one that where he has to play um, chess with death. And he has to win. It's a Crusaders movie. That's what Bill and Ted makes fun of when they're playing like Connect Four with um with death and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. he's a super famous actor. But the point that I like internationally. But I bring this up because in the seventies, you know, he was still like a young man. So his old age makeup. He's not actually like that old. That's all old age makeup. Oh, that's fantastic. And it's incredible. I actually yeah. think that's the best makeup in the entire movie because I always think of him as an old man. When whether it's yeah. that movie or like the movies I know from him, like he died a couple years ago, but like mm-hmm. it's kind of absolutely wildly incredible. Like that, that's the makeup. We all talk about Reagan because it's the most like seen, but like, like damn, that makeup is so good. He spent, I think yeah. I already spent like four hours in the makeup chair every morning, just like getting oh old. Totally wow. crazy. I mean, it's amazing makeup i would have never thought that that was makeup mm-hmm. i just thought it was an old man <laughs> yeah no totally yeah um mm. also going back to the sound design the, um the dubbing of the demon voice over reagan was fantastic so good right it's so good and her acting <clears throat> is spectacular like it's just so unreal um the depth and the the nuances of her face while mm-hmm. like lip syncing essentially to like you know mm-hmm. another uh, voice, um, and I don't know how they like did all that stuff, but it just watching it is so fantastic. And I think going in and out of the demon voice and her voice at times um, 
it is just so unsettling. And I really, mm-hmm. really uh, love that. It was it was wonderful. Oh, um, before I forget, have you ever seen Minority Report? No. You haven't? Mm-mm. Oh, he's in that, but that's all I'll say. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> he's like yeah, he's, the, he's the one who's in like, charge of the uh, precog uh, stuff. Mm. Oh, mm. interesting. No, yeah, I have to go back now. You, oh, I think you would love that. That's such that is an underrated film. At now we talk about like the best Tom Cruise movies and the best Steven Spielberg movies, and I feel like Barney Report always gets lost. This is not yeah. what this episode is about, so I will stop. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> That almost became a parlor talk, and they're like, "Almost, okay. <laughs> but we didn't get there, right? Yeah, yeah. I'll stop." Um, okay, yeah. Just to uh, wrap up, my favorite quote was, "Christ, I don't even smoke grass." I just thought that was so funny <laughs> when they were asking about, "Do you have drugs in the house?" Funny. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I there's just so many things I like about this movie. I like the duality of faith mm-hmm. and science mm-hmm. in this. Um, I think that it's just such a beautiful build up to the desperation of the mom in like, what can I do to help my child? She's amazing. Yeah. In this. Um, Ellen Burson is yes. amazing in this. And it's so believable too, because it's, mm-hmm. it's someone who doesn't have faith, but because you see her exhaust all of the options, you see her observe how hurt, and it, it was so heartbreaking to me, all the scenes in the doctor's office when they're like taking mm-hmm. blood from Reagan or doing like all of the EKGs or whatever. And it was just like so heartbreaking to like see the mom witnessing like the pain of her daughter and I just thought how Mm -hmm. they filmed all of those sequences were just so beautiful because it just keeps you it just tears at your heart of like everything Mm -hmm. that's happening um yeah and I think the ending is is absolutely great I think that that's the only way that this movie could end is with like the priests kind of giving up their lives essentially for uh this little girl because they are both in a sense trying to find their purpose yeah. and like this is this is what their purpose was this is what their life purpose was and so um yeah it's just it, even with the little gripes that i do have it doesn't take away from the fact that i think that this is an excellent movie and um it appeals to a lot of my different kinds of likes whether it's the cinematography or whether it's the acting mm-hmm. or whether it's the voiceovers of the demons and stuff like that. So it's just, it's wonderful. Love it. Who would like to go next? Jamie, go for it. I'll go. Woohoo. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, this movie is really good. I, I like couldn't remember the last time I saw it and, and maybe there were like clips and pieces that I saw on TV when it was probably on TV, but I really couldn't remember a lot. I, I had no recollection of the beginning of this movie at all whatsoever. I was like, I have no idea what's happening right now. Yes. <laughs> um, and then to then like shift into like, all right, now they're in DC and like, I know, I, I, I know this part. Um, so it was, it was just really interesting that like that part didn't sear into my brain as much as, you know, some of the more iconic imagery did. Um, and man, I do, I love, the character development of like seeing somebody who has lost their faith and, and kind of what their experience is with that based on like, and like being like, they're so connected to it because they're a priest, but also seeing the things that are impacting them in real time of like, what is pulling them away from their, their faith and their belief system, their Mm -hmm. relationship, like um, Damien's relationship with his mother and like the guilt that he feels and, and then like this very interesting path of pursuing 
like psychiatry as a priest. Like what an interesting interweaving of like, you know, science and faith combined and how, how they can use, like, I mean, yeah, I, I, I'm just very curious about, about that part of like how, how the Catholic church decided that that was a good idea. Exactly. Um, and especially because like, it's like, okay, they keep bringing up how he's this psychiatrist, but then also what's the deal with him and the boxing? I was like, what made him decide to leave all of that behind? Like I, I'm just very interested in this character, the way mm-hmm. that they're presenting yeah. him. It's so compelling. And like, and I feel like that was a huge, like, yes, you remember all of the scenes with Reagan. Um, you remember the scenes with her and her mom, but like what I found the most compelling was, was the, the priest. Um, and just mm-hmm. like his getting getting breadcrumbs of his backstory, just enough to to keep you interested in him, but like still wanting more. Um, I, I I thought that was a huge a huge pro. Um, and as I mentioned, also the connection between Reagan and her mom is is so good. I made the comment to Brian while we were watching it. Like it's so believable their their mother daughter bond yeah. um yes. there's like a scene where reagan is like lying in the bed and you see things from her perspective from the back of um her mom's head and like you can tell she is like fully locked eyes like there is like nothing taking that connection away and it just feels so genuine mm-hmm. and grounded and like and heartwarming especially knowing what's going to transpire like at this point, I can't imagine there's so many movies that I hear about, like from decades ago, where it's like, I would love to be a fly on the wall of this screening of this movie for the first time because, yes. like, did they have, did anyone have any idea what they were about to witness? Sure. Like, couldn't have. How, how, like, mind blowing. Um, but, like, I think that makes it so much more devastating and and like intense knowing how how much love they have for one another and because like the father is out you know doing whatever that like their bond is so strong and the mom just cares so deeply for her daughter that she will literally do anything to make sure that she's okay like it's all very grounded in reality and believable like i believe this mom would go through great lengths to make sure that her kids okay mm-hmm. um so I really, I, I love all of that stuff. And then when we finally get to the possession, well, even before that, I also like how there's, again, I don't know why I'm calling it breadcrumbs. I can't think of a better way to describe it. But like there are things that we're getting that are leading up to like the full-blown possession, you know, the comments about the Ouija board, the comments. She makes a comment when uh, the mom finds Reagan in her bed and she's like, what are you doing here? And she's like, the bed was shaking. I'm so tired. Right. And I'm like, mom, why are you not asking more questions about the bed what shaking? You, what, Hello? You, what you actually said, I wrote it down. Is oh. <laughs> so no follow up questions to that? <laughs> None. Just, oh, okay. What? Like, if someone said that their bed was shaking, I'd be like, I didn't feel any earthquakes. Like, what do you mean? Like, I would at least ask a what? Exactly. <laughs> Excuse me. Do um, I need to go look? What? You yeah. Know? Or like yes. maybe we leave this house. <laughs> um, but 
there's like little things like that that are happening. Or she makes the comment uh, to her mom about her friend and like, oh, are you guys like going to get married? And I, she says, I heard that from somewhere. And you have to kind of assume that like, because she started talking to the, using the Ouija board, like, did she hear something from that? And that like, that's mm. where my brain went. So it's like, just thinking about how these things are happening in the background and you don't notice it until it's like fully aggressively in your face. But but it was it, it was a slow build. And I like that too, mm-hmm. um, because I feel like a lot of times in in other like horror possession movies, you're getting the like, you know, the body contorting. You're getting the like immediately like speaking in tongues. You're not always getting the slow build of like what happened before that. Like yeah. it's it's zero to a hundred all the time. But with this, it's not. And again, people really remember the the intense scenes when she's like fully possessed, but there's so much else that's happening the lead up that I, I think is really, I I think it again makes the story even more compelling. Cause it's like, there are weird things happening that nobody's really paying attention to. And like, then it makes you wonder, would you pay attention to those things? Like, I don't, I don't know if I would know this, these things because of the way it's presented. And like, and Reagan is so truly like play this, the epitome of this like youthful. She's so young in this movie. Mm -hmm. It's, it's so wild seeing Linda Blair, like pre-possession, she just has such a like, you know, cheery, youthful look to her. And so like you, you're not thinking about anything insidious because like you're seeing this youthful glow and you know, the bad things aren't coming into your head. Um, so I just, I think all of that, all of the setup work is really effective for when we finally get into like, crazy crazy town you know, yeah the yes. possession stuff is is nuts and i and yes i also think about scary movie too sure um but uh, I mean, when do we not think about the scary movie movies on this podcast <laughs> they just do such a good job of getting all the yeah. good things like yeah. absolutely um one fun fact i learned is that in scary movie 2 they actually use the same uh, tongue, like the 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 yes. piece, the piece that's in this movie, that's in The Exorcist from oh my the seventies. Oh my god! Oh my god! They used in Scary Movie Two, and when they were filming, they like had somebody on set to make sure that it didn't get messed up because like it's it's it's, it's historical, and they they yes. needed to preserve it. But like they're putting this thing in her mouth. I I can't even I can't fathom also like putting something in my mouth that's so old that was also in somebody else's Elsa's mouth, mouth. Um, that's gross but uh, but again I think that really shows the dedication of Scary Movie 2 and trying to pair like they they really do a good job um, they but do. this isn't about Scary Movie 2 but I just had to also do the callback because I do think about it um, and I don't another- think I ever realized I'm sorry just oh, to yeah, no. piggyback off of that yeah please I, I think this is the first time I realized the tongue in uh, in The Exorcist because there's just also always so many other things happening yeah. and I think I was just mm-hmm. shocked with everything that was happening before so like watching mm-hmm. it again this time I was like oh that is the tongue thing and oh that was scary movie so that's mm-hmm. amazing that you said that <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, 
Another thing I liked, because I almost missed it every time, and they did a really good job with the editing, is the flash images of Pazuzu. Yes. Um, yeah. That you see, I think, three times. There's one, like, earlier where it happened so fast that for a second I was like, did that, did we see that? Like, did I miss something? That was in his I was dream. like, I looked down for a sec, and then, mm. oh, yeah, and then I looked back up. Um, then it happened a second time. So I felt like affirmed that I wasn't seeing yeah. things. And then the third time it happens is it's like superimposed over Reagan's face mm-hmm. when she's possessed. Um, and I really liked that. I like that you, you get this like brief glimpse of, of what's, you know, what's really going on, what's under the surface, but mm-hmm. not enough, uh, to, I, I feel like again, with other horror movies, the show too much showing kind of takes away from the, the fear factor, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, so I like that we don't really see the demon. If this was like a contemporary horror movie, you know, the demon casts itself out and then you see like a physical representation. Like, I mean, look at insidious where you see like, you know, the, the guy with his music and he just wants to tiptoe through the tulips, but like you see him, and and then it's like kind of funny, silly. It takes away from like the the scariness, sure. at least for me. Um, yes. So I like that there's still this. It's it's so quick, um, and and there's this like veil of disguise where you you're just not spending enough time with Pazuzu himself, which mm-hmm. I'm okay with um, mm-hmm. because I feel like it it makes him scarier. Well, Pazuzu has no ambitions to be on RuPaul's All Star uh, Demons. <laughs> <laughs> like exactly. the black and red demon does from Insidious. Yeah, that's that's fair. So you he doesn't have to show point. his face. No, no, yeah. he, he doesn't need to be camera yeah. ready. <laughs> right. Um, so those are my likes. I have some gripes. Mm-hmm. Really, my biggest gripe is um, like a lot of the mental health related stuff in this. Talk movie. about it. What do you mean? Um, this yeah, is what I want to see. <laughs> that whole scene in the hospital is like yeah. fucking absurd to me and like unwatchable. Um, I I really I hate so many mental health tropes in horror movies because again it's just painting people who have like any mental health issue as like murderers and and like terrible people and and like blaming mental illness for all of these things but then you have like when the priest walks in to see his mom you have all these people coming out that are like like rubbing on him and like pulling him and it's just like this isn't happening (laughs) like let's calm down everyone but like you know it's the 70s and you have to show that these are the scariest places to be in and disturbing. I also didn't like that when they were pulling on him, he like grabbed his arm away, like, get off me. And like that also really upset <laughs> yeah, me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't like any of that. Mm. Um, I also, uh, so in terms of like the, ruling out medical stuff like that is grounded in reality. So, um, there's a, uh, now I'm going to forget what the term is called, but essentially like for, for any mental health professional, when you're doing like diagnostic type work before you go to diagnose somebody with like an official DSM diagnosis, you are supposed to be ruling out any health or medical related explanations. So it does make sense that they start 
with the with her health. Mm-hmm. They, yes. you know, they're exploring like they say, oh, she's got lesions, um, which are causing seizures. Uh, you know, like all of this, all of this health related stuff that they're then testing for. Which side note, like. I, I've never done an EKG. I've never done a CAT scan, an MRI. Um, but like, I can't imagine this world in like that, where that was what people had to go through for like any medical needs compared to now. Like that was wild to see. I um, said the same thing. Just like, I'm so happy that, I mean, sometimes I'm like, Oh, we're living in the time we're living in. But like, as when I saw all that hospital stuff, and I've had MRIs before and stuff, and like mm. just seeing those old machines and everything that she had to go mm-hmm. through, it's like I'm so yeah. glad that we don't have to. It's not necessarily that crazy anymore. Yeah, yeah. the squirting blood out of Ooh. her neck. I was like, "What is happening? Is what this is happening? what it was?" It, that I was blown away, and it just. You feel so bad for her. Yes. And, like, it looks like she's being tortured just to, like, get answers. Right. It's so, it's deeply, deeply upsetting. Um, but, uh, but so, uh, you know, there is that degree of, like, they need to, they need to run all of those tests to see, oh, maybe there's something going on physically in her brain that could mm-hmm. be explaining what's happening. And then once they rule out everything, like there is no, there's nothing coming up on any of the scans. There's no health-related medical explanation for what's happening. Then they shift to the psychiatrist evaluating her. And so like that's grounded in reality. But then <laughs> then beyond that, I, you know, I'm not really crazy about like this round table of psychiatrists that, that also like, as far as I know, also does happen in like certain cases, especially like more mm. extreme things where, you know, they bring in like top experts to kind of talk through what could be going on for like mm-hmm. very, like very specific and severe circumstances where maybe, you know, th- it's something that hasn't been commonly seen before. Um, so like, that's not, that's not shocking to me either. Yeah. I also thought too, like she's a famous actress, right? Like people know her. So that also is believable that she would spend that money to collect all of the best people in the area and say, figure it the fuck out. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, no, absolutely. I believed that. Um, then they threw out the, uh, well, we gave her Thorazine and Ritalin and I was like, oh my God, Brian, write this down. I do not want to forget about this. Um, so Thorazine is an antipsychotic, which can, uh, like, you know, make you maybe drowsy, sleepy. And then they say Ritalin, which is a fucking stimulant that is prescribed for children with ADHD. So yeah. why are you going to do something? Why are you going to give her something to make her sleepy and then give her something to like make her awake? Yeah. Yes. yes. I was like, you're just saying too real medications that like this doesn't make any sense to me what are you talking about um so that that really got me too um (laughs) but uh but yeah it's like there's some elements that are grounded in reality with the um with like you know starting with the medical moving to the psychiatric not really crazy about like the split personality stuff as we know that is how they used to describe disassociative identity disorder Mm -hmm. which is also Mm -hmm. like a very rarely diagnosed um condition um and like always in movies it's 
very inaccurately portrayed and described. Um, they very quickly like mention it and then kind of write it mm-hmm. off. And then I did think it was interesting that the psychiatrists were like alluding to like, have you talked to a priest? Like maybe, maybe something demonic. I was like, you know, I'm a little bit shocked that they would say something like that right. because it's just like, you don't get that too much on one hand. You you could say that there's some interesting cultural competency there. This is a stretch of my argument, mm-hmm. but like, you know, in for for a lot of mental health professions, like some of the the ethics that we're to follow is this idea of cultural competency where it's like this level of understanding and like wanting to know more about the populations that we're working with, especially ones that like we ourselves don't identify with so that we're able to like bring our best uh you know, like skills mm-hmm. to work with folks, that makes even if we haven't lived those experiences. And mm-hmm. there's a lot to be said about like cultural competency being, you know, a, a very low level of what's required and we should probably do more. But I did think it was interesting that they kind of went a little outside of the box by suggesting that, because I feel like a lot of times that's not what you're getting, sure. especially from like, like a psychiatrist is still a, a medical professional, even though it's like focusing on psychiatric and, and psychological, like, you know, an emphasis on that, but like right. still a doctor. So like for a doctor to be exploring something outside of like your typical medical framework, I thought was kind of cool. And they were right. So yeah. I'll, yeah. <laughs> and they were right. But yeah, you don't see that too often. So uh, I, I think that's a, a point of appreciation. Sure. Absolutely. And that's it. <laughs> I love that. Go okay, Brian, producer Brian, because I know like mental health things. I'll we'll ask in the next yeah. section for um, you to expand upon. But I'll yes. go through this quickly. I, I've kind of explained my piece on this one. I think it's brilliant, um, but it's not as scary as people make it out to be. At least now, I'm sure. Like Jamie said, if I was a fly on the wall in 1973, like I would have loved to have seen this, not knowing what to expect. Um, mm. But to me, there's a little bit too much coincidence at the beginning, like that the priest is at the, you know, the movie uh, set. And then, like, Mm. she walks by the church and, like, overhears him talking about his crisis of faith. Like, that was that was a bit much for me. But I I do like that she mentions him later and she's the one that suggests him because she kind of has seen him around. So, like, that kind of, like, smoothed that over a little bit for me. Um, How dare the mom help? With the Ouija board. Um, How dare. Captain Howdy? Yeah, Captain Howdy. But when Jamie and I went to the Ouija board museum in Salem, Massachusetts, we learned that this movie was kind of one of the starts of Ouija boards being um, associated to a nefarious thing. Because before this, and a lot of the time, it was actually prescribed or used by widowers um, mm-hmm. widows, excuse me, um, for when their husbands didn't come back from the war and stuff like that as a way to like make them feel better. Like it had a different connotation before this movie and after this movie, which was fascinating. Um, I believe that. also I want to point out that this movie was the first horror movie to be nominated for best picture at the Oscars. And it won, ah. it won sound design and best adapted screenplay at the Oscars. Um, <laughs> It also cost $12 million to make, and over its entire like lifespan with re-releases and stuff like that, it's made $428.2 million, but adjusted for inflation, it's the ninth highest grossing movie of all time. Um, hmm. 
Um, That's amazing. It's also the highest grossing movie released in 1973. However, it was only the second highest grossing movie in 1973. Um, The Sting was number one. But the most interesting fact that I did not know about this movie is that the studio didn't think it was going to do well. And they also didn't think Mm -hmm. it was going to do well with black audiences. So they didn't play this movie in any black neighborhoods. How, and, and once the movie got very popular, like there was a hunger for it in black neighborhoods. So you saw a lot, the studio saw a lot of black people going into white neighborhoods to watch this movie. So they started opening it up in black neighborhoods and there were lines like around the block and they were just shocked because they were racist. The studios, um, you know, I, I use past, Yes. tense lightly um but yes, sure. yes, yes. <laughs> um what i fa- what i read in my readings uh i found readings with wikipedia um i found <laughs> that this actually stopped a lot of the studios from like thinking that black exploitation movies did better in black neighborhoods than like primarily white movies so mm. like that that black audiences didn't have a prejudice against like what they were watching they just wanted good stuff so this actually kind of was the start of stopping black exploitation movies because this did so well with black audiences and they did some interviews with people who had seen the movies and a lot of the answers came from the fact that like a lot of these older um, black women and men who came from like Haiti and a Dominican Republic and all that still believed in like voodoo and who do and a lot of dark magic and so and we're very religious in turn so this movie really struck a chord with them and their families because of all of that which i found absolutely interesting and fascinating just like the history of black cinema in general and how much this ties into the way that studios thought about black viewers so i thought that was super cool so that all makes sense though because the minute you were talking about it it was like how religion has been so uh important in black communities and black cultures as on top of like just voodoo ritualistic like uh african spirituality totally like all of those things are such a big part of our culture that i th- it's of course that watching this movie would strike a chord with them and people want to watch it but i think it's also a beautiful thing for studios to realize it's like yeah, we don't want these black exploitation movies of you kind of making a mockery of our culture. Like, oh, that's obvious. Yeah, totally. Just give us good content yes. and we're going to watch it, you know? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I absolutely agree. In regardless of, like, how people grew up, I just think that the black culture in general is so heavy on religion or spirituality that it absolutely would make sense that they would be interested in seeing yeah. this movie. Um, some of my other gripes, um, the hospital scene we talked about, there's a lot of pills and weird medical information. All these doctors are idiots. The priest runs weird. (laughs) When he was running around the track, I thought he ran weird. Um, (laughs) I didn't notice. And, uh, more importantly, interesting, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. I know I'm really digging down deep in this one. Um, and, and there were no priests riding Vespas in this one, which is always disappointing to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Could have used more. Could use more of that. Agreed. Um, some of my likes: all the '70s aesthetics of filmmaking that we previously talked about. Um, um, jumping off of what Jamie said, how much the mother and daughter love each other. There's that really amazing moment where she pulls the eyelash off of her, and then she misses it and has to go back in and get it. Whether that was a you know uh, improv or whatever it is, I just mm-hmm. think that really sets up their relationship a lot. Um, 
A lot of things happen off screen, as we mentioned. The mother dies, the first bed shake. Them playing with the Ouija board even more is off screen. I like the dream. I like the quick scenes. Oh my God, the smoking, the doctor who smokes while talking to the mom in the hospital. Yes. Amazing. <laughs> oh my God. Um, <laughs> um, the music, for having such a very famous score, there's not a lot of score in this movie. And the mm-hmm. music only highlights maybe one or two scares where if this was made today music would be involved in every single jump scare um the sound design i love the ego oozing off of all the doctors but i also like how much power chris has because she's famous um yes uh i love the line it's time to call in a psychiatrist like they treat it as a joke almost which is funny yeah they do yeah um (laughs) I okay, this is important, and I learned something new from this movie. If either of you are ever possessed, we already <laughs> talked about an evil dead that like you need to let us know because like we have to mm-hmm. you we have to know and get prepared for it. And something exactly. I will prepare for is I will buy so much chapstick because <laughs> in this movie, Reagan is absolutely sure. Her lips keep getting more and more chapped. Like someone needed to get that girl chapstick. And so now I'm prepared that if you ever get possessed, I'm going to buy a ton of chapstick and make sure that everybody like you might be possessed, but your lips are going to look good. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Because also that's the worst feeling too. I mean, getting like your lips cracked. Yes. It's just such like an uncomfortable feeling. Agreed. Yes. I'm glad we all agree on that. Um, Uh, Yes, absolutely. (laughs) um, And I like the power of Christ compels you is a, is such a made fun of scene at this point. It is mm-hmm. so engaging in this movie. They probably do it for a minute or a minute and a half. And at, like the acting in that scene where every single one means something different, it is so deeply engaging because we know the characters like and what they're going through and what it, what what this whole scenario means to them, how their levels of being religious, if they're t- totally committed and not committed, how they see Reagan, how Reagan's reacting to them, all just like feeds into that the power of Christ compels you moment and it's absolutely spectacular um and then my favorite thing about this movie is just the 70s um social commentary um the you know the idea that the devil can make his way into a very chaotic world um and how the power of christ um is not as strong in the religious values of america so like the idea that like the devil can sneak in when you're not looking because you have vietnam you have you have all of the u.s kind of like in this like very in this upheaval and the devil snuck in like i think that's an interesting point to be made but also that a lot of people also see reagan as the values of the youth protesting the war and that the the priests are the old guard who are trying to like you know, get us forward and, and, and all of that and, and pull us out of that. Whereas, and I thought that was, that's also fast, a fascinating way to look at this movie. And I've never read the book, but I assume that apparently I read that the book is less straightforward about if it's actually a possession, every single one Mm. of Reagan's symptoms in the book can be drawn back to an actual medical phenomena. Um, Hmm. And I, but this one obviously explicitly states that it is a, um, that also, I have a lot of nostalgia for this movie because my dad, um, whenever we're, we were in DC as a kid would point out the exorcist stairs. Um, there's a plaque next to it and William Fritkin, the director, you know, RIP, he just recently passed away, has directed some of my Mm -hmm. favorite movies, the French connection, um, sorcerer, this, um, and, uh, 
and he said that regardless of his Oscar, he's most he's most proud of his name on the plaque because Oscars come and go. That plaque is going to be there forever. Um, like yeah. just so, I thought that was cool. Anyway, those are my likes and gripes <clears throat> about this movie. My quotes are: "Sure do love you." There seems to be an alien pubic hair in my drink. Uh, <laughs> the cop always saying I lied, but more importantly, right. I like pizza too. But I'm not going to marry one. Exactly. <laughs> Great. Good for you. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay, well, let's get into our next segment, which is mm, brains. Mm, tasty. <laughs> okay, so Jamie, my first question is strictly your opinion. Mm. With the speaking of faith and science aspect of it. My question to you is, do you think that someone could get the mental health help that they need purely just from their religion as opposed to like seeking a professional in the mental health uh, business? That is a good question. Good question. Good question. Good question. Good question. I mean, I feel like in this circumstance, it's it is interesting because like, there is a priest who has specific training that like does give him more insight into human behavior and how people work. And, and does that then like lend itself to responding in a way that is like more akin to a mental health professional? Um, I think something to keep in mind though is like the roles that people are playing and how like, how much can you really separate between like being a priest versus being a psychiatrist and, Mm. and like, you know, how, how do you wear both of those hats at the same time would really be my question. Um, because I feel like, again, there's a lot of like rules and not, I mean, rules in some cases, yes, but I say, I think more so ethics around, uh, like, what your relationship is to a person as a mental health professional. Yes. Um, And I feel like there could be some line blurring if you are also in a different role, like in a, in a religious role, that's a different type of connection potentially to somebody. So like that kind of makes me a little bit more cautious, Mm. but if there is, if that's like the, the gateway, so to speak, to receiving more intentional like mental health support, that's the way in. Um, like that might be that might be something that then you're like, oh wow, like maybe I would want to talk to somebody who like this is their specialty, this is their focus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like that's another like positive way. I mean, I do think that a lot of people use their their connection to faith and religion and specifically like people who are in religious roles, whether that be a priest, whether that's a rabbi, like, you know, there is, there is a lot of support that folks get from these people. So like, I think that a lot of time, and like when I was in grad school, there were, there were, um, there were like pastors in my program Mm. and like the, the process of becoming a pastor and things like that, like also requires additional education. So, you know, there, I I think that people put a lot of work into, um, 
you know, what they are, how they want to learn and grow in order to like take on these roles that people are going to be leaning on them for support. And like, that's, right. we want to take that really seriously. Um, but it, it still gives me some pause, but I, I still, I like the idea that like perhaps folks are being exposed to this type of support in this way. And then maybe like using that as an avenue to be like, oh, I, I'd like to have like, you know, this particular role as a, as a force of a force, but like as a, as a support system. I also, I also yeah. would argue that it's actually a pretty forward thinking position in some ways because religious organizations could very much just fall back on the fact that like, oh, well, God will help that person or, you know, like, and not That's taking. That's why I thought it was super mm-hmm. interesting. That's why it's like, they don't really explain why it, he didn't say that he wanted to pursue this. It right. sounds like the church put Told him on him. this path yeah. to, to, you know, get his, I mean, he has to, he, he's a doc, like an actual medical doctor, like to, to, right. um, to be a psychiatrist. So it's like, that's also like however many years of med school yeah. and then like post med school with, with, um, like it just, that's a really long time to invest in in that and it just I find that so fascinating that like that's again that's why I'm so interested in this character because I'm like why did they want him to pursue that what did they what were they hoping that like he would be able to do for for people by having this like additional many years of yeah. training and learning mm-hmm. I know because I also thought like are they doing that so that he could help like other priests, you know, like Mm. he's the mental health professional for like the priests in his area. Like that's, I don't know what it, I thought when I heard that the church was like, this is what you're going to do. Like, so is he in service of like the other priests in the area? Um, But speaking on just blurring the lines, my next question, it just leads right into uh, talking about, you were talking about there's different relationships mm-hmm. between like a mental health professional and their client and a priest and you know their their congregant so there was a conversation that the priest had with the detective about um, trying to because the detective was asking like are there any other priests that could fit the bill of like some of these characteristics of maybe wanting to you know do harm or whatever the case may be and the priest was like, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to tell you. And then he's like, oh yeah. Cause you're a medical professional. Like you're not allowed to tell me, but also like you legally are allowed to, you're supposed to tell me. And then the priest is like, okay, well, if I have to go before a judge, I'll just say that it was a confession, like, mm. and then not have to say anything. Mm-hmm. So with the lines like blurred, I guess, what's your opinion on that? Or do you know anything about that? Like, could a priest in a situation, um, not have to say anything and claim it as like someone just, it was a confessional, so I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> yeah. That, I, I thought that was super interesting mm-hmm. because like, I, I don't really know in terms of, uh, like what legally priests are required to disclose if somebody right. did say something like that. Um, if they are somehow like protected, Um, I do know like for, for therapists, um, like that also is different in that, like if somebody like the limits of confidentiality, which I think we've talked about to like, if somebody says, if somebody is active in terms of, they say that they want to do something that has not yet happened. And those things being 
like cause harm to themselves or cause harm to somebody else, those are the limits of confidentiality to protect um, the the person saying it like from themselves and also like whoever they potentially want to harm. But it gets a lot muddier if it's something that has already happened. Um, And there are a lot of rules too, like legally in terms of how – how courts can get access to this information. Like we have to, like a therapist would have to be subpoenaed and so would all of their Mm. like notes in order for things to be available in court. So like the only, the only thing that could really like get me to disclose certain things without the consent of a, of a client would be if I received a court order. Um, Oh, okay. So like there's, there is a lot of like, protection to, to protect people. Um, and, and, you know, like the things that they're, they're discussing. So like, I feel like there's a fine line, but I I have no idea. I don't know if he, like, it sounds like he was using his role as a, as a priest to say, like, I wouldn't have to tell you that, but I feel like he would be more protected at like wearing his psychiatrist hat over his priest Mm, hat. Um, mm -hmm. but again, I, I have no idea if there's like some special, uh, like, you know, restriction around having to disclose anything as a priest. Right. Yeah. It's just because I was just thinking, you know, like the church is not ruled by the government. So it is hard to figure out like what those lines are of mm-hmm. what they could say or are supposed to say or whatever. But yeah, I just thought that was interesting too. Yeah. Uh, okay. My next couple of questions um, are, do you know of any actual um, mental disorders that... Or, oh, sorry, my question is, do you know if lesions in the brain actually can cause, like, mental disorders? Mm, sure, sure, sure. Um, I mean, I don't know anything about lesions in the brain specifically, mm-hmm. but I think that, like, <laughs> there are, there certainly can be, again, like, ruling out the health and medical stuff first. Like, there absolutely can be things going on in the brain that are impacting some of these mood and behavior. Um, mm. You know, like like tumors, for example, like anything that's like, you know, putting pressure on certain uh, lobes or, or anything like that. So I think it makes sense to explore that route of like, could there be something that explains what's going on physically in Reagan's brain that might explain this rapid decline or change in behavior. I think yeah. like that's that's a really important piece where it's like it happened so quickly that that you know I again like lesions in the brain I don't know but you know something happening in her brain that then caused such a rapid shift in her presentation and behavior. Mm-hmm. Um I, I think like a lot of time like for example um our frontal, like the front part of our brain, the frontal lobe has Mm -hmm. a lot to do with like our personality and decision-making. So Mm -hmm. if something happened that like, you know, there was, there was some kind of like thing going on there. Um, it could also, this is also like inclusive of traumatic brain injuries, concussions, things like that too. All of that stuff can, can severely impact our, our functioning, our personalities, Mm -hmm. our behaviors. Um, so it that, there's some element of like this absolutely is grounded in in reality, um, but I don't really Wonderful. know anything about lesions. <laughs> yes, no, for sure. But the fact that that if something happens with the brain, it could in turn turn into something that is a mental disorder. Yeah, this isn't like, talking lesions with Jamie and Nikisha. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Uh, and my last question is. Um, 
do you know any mental disorders that have seizures as a characteristic in their description? Um, so <clears throat> seizures are not like seizures are medical Got it. diagnosis. They're not a mental health diagnosis, but there mm-hmm. certainly can be multiple things going on at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, it, it is connected to my suggestion and I won't spoil it yet, but mm-hmm. oh. um, there, <laughs> there definitely could be overlap of like somebody is presenting with like, you know, some mental illness, but also could be dealing, like we're not absolved of having other problems. If we like, just because I have anxiety doesn't mean that I couldn't also have some kind of like health thing going on with me. Right. Like Mm. these things can, can, they can all coexist. So like there could be a situation where somebody has epilepsy and then also has, you know, some behavioral health or, or mental illness. Um, also like somebody could, these things can influence each other. So like Someone could get diagnosed with um, with epilepsy and then as a result, like start struggling with symptoms of depression because of uh, that diagnosis. Yes. So it's like mm-hmm. that those can also influence each other. There's a lot of like nuance to again to diagnosing like officially. Mm-hmm. But I right. think just knowing that, you know, this information and these experiences can absolutely impact and stack on top of each other. But it's not seizures themselves as as far as I know, are not like a, a categorized as like something psychiatric, but more um, medical. Yeah, that makes sense. Fantastic. That's all the questions that I have. Should we Woo-hoo. rotten to mountain? It's the rotten tomatoes game. <laughs> Let's rotten to mountain this bad boy. This bad pazuzu. Yes. Pazuzu. Pazuzu. Okay. Oh, as a side note, too, do they they all never say Pazuzu's name? And I thought that was interesting because we know Pazuzu's name because it's in Wikipedia, and I don't yeah. know if it was in the book. I, like, maybe it's in the book. It's I may, it's also in some of the sequels. Also, I've never seen anything other than this one sequel wise. Same. Yeah. Same. Um, but just wanted point. to say that because no, I was like, point. I don't know nothing about no Pazuzu. I don't know nothing about no Pazuzu. <laughs> and now we're Period. gonna now we're gonna know nothing about Rotten Tomatin. So yes. uh, Jamie, what do you think this has on Rotten Tomatoes? It's gotta be high. I'm guessing like a ninety-three. Nikisha? I was gonna say a ninety-eight. <laughs> this has an eighty-six percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. And wow. the audience score Critics. is eighty-seven percent. Um, Interesting. Critics consensus. The Exorcist rides its supernatural themes to magical effect with remarkable special effects and an eerie atmosphere resulting in one of the scariest films of all time. Hmm. I think this is, yeah, I mean, you could say this is one of the scariest films of all time, but I also think that that is a moment in time. This was this, you know. Absolutely. um, But Hmm. my favorite new part of this is what do you think the letterboxed average rating is? Um, again, it's out of five, and you can do decimal points. 4.6. 4. 4.3. 4. It's 3.99, so it rounds up to an exact four. Wow. Okay. Um, some, of my, uh, some of the reviews on this, uh, on this one um, are, uh, let's see. Um, let, me lo- let me look those up. In the meantime, let's get ready for the uh, four S's. Yes. Yes. Skull, and suggestions. The talking horse, four S's. 
Okay, for the four S's, we have skulls, scares, shakes, and suggestions. Um, we are going to rate them one through ten and then give our suggestions. Skulls is how well it handled mental health human behavior. Scares is how scary was it, and shakes, how much is this going to stick with you? Um, Jamie, let's start with you and those numbers. Yeah, so... I was going to adjust it, but then I just remember the hospital scene again, and I left it yeah. as it is. Um, for Skulls, I'm giving it a five. I think that, like, for the most part, there's a lot of just, like, it, it makes sense. Like, this is grounded in, in some basis of reality where, like, you know, the, the mom's concern for her daughter. She believes her. I love that. Man, mm-hmm. I'm deleting five full points for that entire hospital sequence. Sure. I That's hate fair. it. It's just... They, that's that's my gripe. I hate those scenes in movies. So mm-hmm. minus minus a thousand points <laughs> um, for scares. I, it's not super scary, but I'm giving this a two because of the I love a I love a dread building uh, horror mm-hmm. film, and I do feel like with all of the breadcrumbing of like weird things are are happening uh-huh. more and more, and then just the shift in in Reagan is so disturbing that like that's that's where I'm assigning those two points. <laughs> Um, for shakes, I'm giving this a seven. Like there's moments in this that just stand the test of time that are so like resonant in, in my memory, in my brain. Even if I didn't remember like the beginning scene, like I'm always going to remember Reagan's head spinning around. Mm -hmm. I'm always going to remember her vomiting. I'm always Mm going to remember her like stabbing her, her groin with the, um, cross the crucifix yeah with the cross like mm-hmm. all yeah like those things her peeing like there's just things that you will never forget in this film yeah yeah nikisha skulls i gave it a six um and i'll stick with it because of what jamie said about the uh mental health professionals uh sorry the the doctor suggesting like a mental health professional so like or, or a priest and and all that stuff so I was like okay that's that's a fun time um scares I'll give it a 5 because of the religious aspect of it so it will always be creepy to me and shakes I'm going to give it an 8 cuz it's just great cool um Skulls is a five for me for similar reasons as you all. Scares is a three for me. I was gonna put it a little bit lower, but that blood squirting out scene yeah. like is like, and there's some there's some mm-hmm. there's still some scares in it. But um, um, I think I think it's just that this is scary, but denoting it as the scariest horror movie of all time, I think actually does a disservice to the movie now. Um, yes. Um, and then Shakes is a nine. The iconic images in this, just everything that you've mentioned, in addition to um, Father Marin standing outside in the light, um, you know, like that, uh, and and everything else about this is is just a, the stairs. Everything is super memorable. Um, so it's a nine from me. Um, suggestions. Who uh, Jamie? You mentioned that you had one that had to do with brains, sort of, so sort of, sort of. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I have two. They're both exorcism, exorcism movies. Um, the first one I have is The Last Exorcism, where it kind of similarly deals with, like, what happens when you have a, a priest who has lost their faith, and like they're, but they're still in this position, um, and then they, you know, come to terms with, like, 
an exorcism. Um, mm-hmm. So I really like that one. There's a sequel as well, which is fine. But, oh, it's also like a found footage uh, horror movie as well. So it, it doubles down on both the possession and found footage. Cool. Um, but the other one that um, scared me so bad when I saw it that I literally couldn't sleep uh when it came out was The Exorcism of Emily Rose. I knew you were um, going to say that. <laughs> oh, God. it's But it's so good. And it mm-hmm. really does focus a lot on, like, the, the story is a court case. So um, mm-hmm. not to give too many spoilers, but, like, talking about, like, is it really possession? Or are there other, like, medical explanations for what could be happening mm-hmm. here? With a great, great performance um, by the lead, doing all mm-hmm. of those contortions herself. So have to cool. have to vouch for that. Yeah, Nikisha. I just picked my favorite exorcism, and it's the Conjuring, the sure. OG, because mm. it's just wonderful, and the mom in that. It's yeah, great. Yeah, that was for me. Um, I'm just gonna go the easy way. If you haven't seen Scary Movie Two, you, you got to see Scary Movie Two. <laughs> I haven't watched it in a while, so I don't know if it holds up the way that uh, Scary Movie 1 doesn't really hold up from a narrative standpoint. Um, <laughs> I, I but, did watch it, and uh, it's uh, it's something. Yeah, it so, is something. So Scary Movie 2, just for the parodies, I'll say. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Oh, and um, Letterboxd, I have some, just these are recent ones. This film was graphic, disturbing, and absolutely insane, and I loved every minute of it. I'm a yeah. hardcore Christian Bale fan. That was a stupid one. Oh, <laughs> um, no. Not Christian Bale. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, first thing I looked up when this movie ended was, does Judaism practice exorcisms? I was so <laughs> relieved we don't believe in them. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Oh, man. And then mine is not scary, but still pukes. I mean slaps. I guess slaps still works. <laughs> Oh, that mom she slaps her hard. So, oh, yeah. So also, before we end here, um, Ellen Burstyn really hurt her back. I think she broke her coccyx on that like slap scene, and that's the actual. Oh that's the f- frame that that's the shot that they used. Also, um, what's her name who played Reagan? Um, had back issues her whole life because they didn't strap her to the bed tight enough, and when the bed was shaking, she really hurt her back. So oh, like, no. there's a people say that this. There's also a lot of other stuff that happened. Like the whole set burned down at one point. Like people say yeah, that it was like a haunted was... set, similarly to like say the Conjuring and stuff like that. But like mm-hmm. you know, people make mistakes. Um. Anyway, that that's all. People make mistakes. Uh, okay, well, that ends our episode of The Exorcist. You can uh, follow us on all of the social medias, TikTok, the Instagram, the Twitter, at TalkHorrorPod, P-O-D. And Brian, where can they listen to us? You can listen to us wherever you get your podcasts. So obviously you can get them on YouTube. Hi, YouTube. Um, you can get them on Spotify and, of course, on uh, Apple Podcasts. Rate and review us there. Five stars, please. And thank, thank you. you. Brian, what quote do you want to end on? Um, I got two that I just love. Uh, before we mm-hmm. end, happy spooky season, everybody. Happy October. Yay. We have some fun stuff for you this month. Um, but my two quotes from this are obviously, I like pizza too, but I'm not going to marry one. And yes. then, uh, there seems to be an alien pubic hair in my drink. 
<laughs> oh my god, we didn't talk about Burke enough. Yeah, Jesus. That's true. <laughs> what, a, what a character. What a character, what a character. <laughs> <laughs> We'll end on that. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye. 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 Bye.